Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I am your host, Annie F. Downs, and I am so glad to be here with you today. I am really excited. This episode feels like it should be titled, It's About Time. It is about time that we had Jamie Ivey on this show. She has been so generous and had me on her show a couple of times. She is the host of the Happy Hour podcast, which is absolutely one of my favorites. And she has a new book that actually comes out this week. It's called If You Only Knew. It is just a beautiful story of freedom. And when you hear her talk about it today, I think you're going to really be moved by her honesty and her openness and her challenge of how she wants to live her life. I just absolutely loved it. So here is a really fun conversation with a very excellent podcast host, my friend and probably your favorite podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Jamie, how are you, friend? I'm good. Uh, It's fun to be on your show. It is about time is what it is. It's about time. It has been needing to happen, and I'm glad it's finally happened. We have needed you on the show in a lot of ways. So, Well, I listen to you, and so it's fun, and we are friends in real life, and so that makes it even better for me. I think the best. I just, like, really love – that's mostly my goal is to have friends on, but I really love when it's like, man, does the world know how much we actually speak and how we like each other and what this is like? (laughs) So we get to finally tell them. The truth can be known. I need you to start by backing up and tell me why you started podcasting because you've been doing it for years. I know. I'm like a grandma. Right. You're like Um, a professional is what it's called. It's not a grandma. It's a professional. Well, which is funny because podcasting, so I've been doing it three and a half years. Um, In May will be four years. But the funny thing is, I remember when Aaron, my husband and I were early married, we used to listen to This American Life. Yes. But we, do you remember, we would have to go and like download it to our, um, what was that thing that you put your music on? Your iPod. Yeah, like an iPod. And so you'd have to download it and get ready for your trip and everything. So I didn't even know that was a podcast. Or I listened to my pastor sermon when I wasn't at church and I just didn't know that we were podcasting. Right, (laughs) right. Right. (laughs) But for me, so about seven years ago, I was in my town, driving my kids around, doing my thing. And someone came on the radio and said, it was a radio station that I listened to. It was a country station in town. And they're like, hey, we are going to have an open casting call for someone to come on and be the newest member of our morning show. And just because a normal thought went through my head of like, huh, I could do that. And so I applied. I sent in an audio clip that I would die if I heard now because I'm sure it's just (laughs) the most embarrassing thing ever. No way. And yes. And, you know, weeks went by. It was a voting contest and I made it to the top five. And then the top five got to come into the radio station and actually be (gasps) on air for the morning. Oh my gosh. I know. And so I left there and I thought that was the coolest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Yeah. No matter what happens, I had so much fun. And then a week later, they announced on air with me live that I won the job. Oh my gosh. And so I went from stay-at-home mom, hadn't worked since before I had kids, to now I am a morning show personality (gasps) on a country radio station here in Austin, Texas. Oh my gosh, Jamie, how do I not know any of this? I know, I know, because I mean, it was seven years ago, and I don't think I've ever even spoken into a microphone before then. I mean, literally, I did not have a clue what I was doing. And so I jumped in two feet, and they helped me, and I worked with some great guys, and I loved that job so much. Now, the kicker was that three of our kids joined our family through adoption, and two of them had only been home for about a year. Oh, wow. Okay. And so all of a sudden, the consistent life of mom being home is like thrown out the window. And I 
am never there in the mornings. Like I remember one of my kids was like, are you ever going to fix this breakfast again? And it was just, it got to be really hard. My marriage was Mm. harder that summer than it ever had been in our marriage. My kids were, their lives were just falling apart before my eyes. And so about four months in, thankfully, Aaron didn't come to me and say, hey, I think you need to quit. He really let me. Yeah, because I think that would have made it even harder. He really let me come to it on my own. And I just said, I started to realize something's fallen apart. And the only thing different is that mom's gone every day for like six hours. And so I quit. And it was hard. How long in? How long had you done it? Four months. Oh, wow. I mean, so not long, uh, but I loved it. And I really wrestled with God, why would I even do this if this was going to yeah. be the outcome? Why do I have to quit? Like, what's I found something I love. All of a sudden, I have to give it up for my kids. And that sounds awful to say Oh, it my loud. gosh. It doesn't at all say that because people need yeah. the freedom to feel that about their stuff. But I did feel that. I just felt it's not fair that I finally, I felt like, oh, my gosh, I have my own thing now. You know, my husband's been working forever and traveling and leading worship. And then all of a sudden, I get something and it's not working. So, Although it was the hardest decision, I don't regret it ever for one minute. And I knew it was exactly what I needed to do. And so that is where I kind of was introduced to like this medium of talking to a microphone. And I remember when I left, I said, the thing I miss the most is having a voice. Like, and I think you get that a little bit, like having a place where you can say things. Not that I think I'm just this great, like everyone listen to me. I have amazing things to say, but I do feel as though... I like that, you know, and I like that. I like the way that goes down. So anyhow, about a year and a half, two years late or something like that, I started a podcast. And so then you just went like, I'm scratching that same itch. It just looks really different. It looked really different because I was a guest on someone's show. They invited me to come on to talk about my radio journey. And when I got done with the podcast, I thought to myself, I could do what she just did. And so about six months later, I jumped in and it was just, it was really a hobby for me. I would just record when I wanted. I would put them up when I wanted, but it did satisfy that same desire in me. And and this is a whole nother conversation. And for a long no, it's time, not. I thought- it's the very one. Let's go. <laughs> well, for a long time, I thought, is this desire that I want to have a voice and I want to be in front of people? Is this from God? Like, is this just me? Do I just want people to listen to the show? And so I've walked through that and I feel really confident on the other side of it. But starting that show really was saying, you know what? I think I can still have the voice that I missed. I can do it on my time, my schedule, how I want to do it. And so then the happy hour came about. Yeah. Did you call it the happy hour straight away? I did. I did because the the funny thing is my first show idea that I brought, I came to my husband. I was so proud. I was like, I want to do a podcast. Here's what I'm going to do. And I said, my friend Amanda and I, were going to watch The Bachelor every night and then we're going to record a show that night. And we're gonna I remember. The next day. I totally remember. Yeah. And so we actually did that a little bit on her blog. I didn't put it out public or anything, but my husband, I came to him and I'm telling you, I was like, this is the best idea I've ever had in my entire life. And he looked at me and he said, Jamie, what's the value in it? And I'm like, value? We get to talk about The Bachelor. What do you mean? That's a lot of value. And he said, I'm just wondering like when we started doing things that don't have like a kingdom value. Oh, And I was like, okay, well, first of all, stop writing on my parade. I mean, I was kind of mad at first. (laughs) Right? Um, But then he was true. And so for me, the happy hour was like, what would it be like if Annie and I got together for like a real happy hour and we're having a glass of wine? What we talk about? That's what I want my show to be like. Yeah. 
Man, that's really good. That's, I mean, that's an interesting question, though, Jamie, that I would love for you to talk a little bit more about because this whole month on the podcast, you know, we've been doing rhythms to kind of add to your life. So we talked about journaling. We talked about Sabbath. We talked about good food. We talked about Lent with the She Reads Truth. And kind of what I wanted, one of the best reasons I'm glad you're at the end of this month is kind of like summing up, like having rhythms in your life matters because what you do with your life matters. So I want you to talk a little more about figuring out how you decided what had kingdom purpose and what didn't. And also me as an Enneagram 7, I don't think everything has to have tons of purpose. So talk a little bit about that. I think that's really interesting that you and Aaron would have that conversation. Yeah. You know, and and you would look at my show and the happy hour. Sometimes we're talking about The Bachelor and yeah. that's okay. Yes. So I'm not saying, oh my gosh, everything has to end in a Bible verse right, by right, any right. means. <laughs> but I do feel like, and I as, as hard as that conversation was, I did feel like it made me sit back and think, okay, so if I'm going to pour my life into something, for me, kingdom purposes, man, women need to hear two women talk and be encouraged and inspired. And we can encourage women um, by talking about like our favorite vacation. And that sounds dumb, but it can be an encouragement to women because we can find value in that. And so for me, it wasn't as if, and you know, Annie, on a side note too, I went back and forth and with, is this going to be like a quote unquote Christian podcast? Right, right. Because sometimes Christian things, they just, Christians mess them up and then they're cheesy and nobody wants anything to do with them. I mean, we've seen that in every kind of thing that, you know, all kinds of things, people put Christianity behind it. And then all of a sudden they don't even even know how to use, uh, you know, a spreadsheet anymore, PowerPoint, everything looks ugly. And so I had to wrestle with that as well Is do I want this to be a Christian podcast? And I came to the conclusion that, yeah, I'm a Christian. So yes, but I also don't think I'm cheesy and I think I can be cool and I think I'm relevant. And so let's just put this out. But for me, kingdom purpose was, I want to look through my whole life as a lens of that. Does this have value? And if it doesn't have value, then do I need to be devoting my life to it? And for me personally, it's just going to be a no, but that's just where I I had to come to that, you know? And so it means that some things I'm like, you know, I think I'm going to save my workspace for something different. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really important that if you're going to say yes to adding new rhythms into your life that make you who you want to be, you are saying no to something. Mm-hmm. Always. And if you are trying to build your life in a way that the majority, I'm not going to say all because this is not true for me, the majority of things you do have really good purpose, then you're going to have to say no to a lot of things that are good. So how do you do that? How did you, like, when you think about who you bring on your show or when you think about how you and Aaron make decisions about how you spend your time, how do you feel about the no's? I mean, I'll tell you this. I've come a long way in it because um, no's are really hard for me. I'm a people pleaser. And so I will say yes to anything. That was the number one reason I needed an assistant. So she can say no yeah, to things. Right. So I don't have to. You know, for Aaron and I, like I said, we have four kids. We both have jobs that require us to travel. We both have jobs that require us to work maybe different time. Like my husband works all day on Sunday. That's not the yeah, quote unquote right. norm right. of most people in America. And so for us and our kids are getting older, we've got almost almost three teenagers. We say no all the time. I told someone today, I cannot think of one baby shower that I would say yes to right now. Throwing or attending? Either one, especially throwing. <laughs> I won't the be there. I was making <laughs> is I just can't take that time away from my family because yeah. I already have to take time away to do my job. 
And so we say no to a lot of things that are fabulous and wonderful celebrations and parties and events. And I just can't justify leaving my family again when I already have to do that so much. Yeah, that makes sense. I like it. I think, I mean, I I have kind of internally, well, now publicly, apparently, because I'm out. Yes, here we go. That's what we do on the podcast. Yeah, that's what we do on the podcast. I've internally in our company labeled 2018 as the year of no thank you. Like we've just had a lot of opportunities that I have said yes to that have slowed down. And um, I can look back on the last couple of years and go, man, I've gotten to do a lot of really cool stuff. What did I say yes to that made me say no to a lot of other things that matter to me? And so this year I'm switching it and saying a lot more no's in hopes that the yeses that I make are really memorable, important yeses. And I think I was living in a yes world where I was saying no, this is a weird analogy, but yes was the bricks and no was the mortar. And I think I realized that didn't build a very strong house. Right. And so this year I'm switching. I'm letting no be the bricks and yes, be the mortar and see if it feels stronger. Yeah. And the reason it's hard is because we think I'm going to say no to this great opportunity. What if nothing better does come around the corner? Like, what if that was it? That is my worry. I mean, that is what I think about all the time. Yeah. And I think that is another thing where you have to just say, okay, I'll tell you this, for example, a couple of years ago, I felt like I was just burned down in every direction. Like I was saying yes to everything that came across my table. And this was even before I was busy like I am now. I mean, it was just like, just life, like hosting baby showers and stuff like that. And I remember it was about August or something. I sat down and I listed out four things in my life. These four things, if it does not fall under one of these four things, it's going to be a no. And funny story is somebody that we both know called and was talking to me and she wanted to start up this new kind of ministry and she has a very good track everyone it's beth moore i'm just kidding (laughs) yeah right um it was actually you know it doesn't matter but she was going to start this thing and she starts things and they are successful and she asked me to be a part of it and i said yes of course obviously hello and then about a week into it i realized it didn't fit under any of my four things like i couldn't i couldn't try to squeeze it in if i wanted to and i had to call her back and very humbly say i'm going to have to say no to this and my fear was will she ever ask me to be a part of anything else she does uh will i never get anything like this again and i'm thankful for even if it was just the practice of saying no to say like okay, you can do it, Jamie. You're a big Mm -hmm, girl. mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that is literally what we have done last week in a meeting with my whole staff. We made a list of these are the, like literally four things we're saying yes to this year. Everything else we're saying no to. Because those four things, it's going to be so, I mean, I've had to, like today I had to send two no thank you emails. And both times I was like, but I, I could fit it. And then I was like, no, I can look at the wall and under the no category is exactly what they are asking. And like, it's already on the wall. I just have to say it. <laughs> like, like it's already, the decision's been made. Yes. I think that people struggle the most is when they don't write down those yeses. This is where it has to fall yes. under here or it's a no, because yes. then we're like, well, maybe I can see it's a good thing. Yeah, that's exactly the problem is that if you only write down your no's and you don't write down your yeses, you don't know why you're saying no. That's exactly right. Right? You go like, I know that I felt too busy in 2017, so I'm going to say no to all this stuff in 2018, but I don't know what I'm saying yes to. And so I feel like my life is boring and a bunch of no's. And by March, I'm going to say yes all the time. 
Yep. Yep. And for some people, I mean, for you and I, we're, we're feeling similar about this, but for some people, it could be the other way around where they have said so many no's to opportunities. And I mean, from everything from first dates to babies to jobs, they've said so many no's in 2017 and into the year and went like, that didn't feel right. And so in 2018, I'm going to say yes to these four things. Like I'm going to make the four no's that I'll always say no to. And then everything else is a yes. And so I think it can be either way. You just have to learn learn yourself, right? Yeah, for sure. My friend, um, Jen Jett, do you know who she is? Uh, listen, do I know who she okay. is? I love her so much. I, we aren't very close friends, but I love her story. And last year was her year of yes. Yes. And she met a man and fell in love and got engaged. Yes. I was like, she's married. I know. Uh-huh. Yeah, look what that year of yes will do for Serious. you. Serious. You know. What else did you see her do during the year? Um, she did some trips. A lot of like just saying yes to friends as well, which she does that pretty well anyhow, but she's a yes. She's going to show up for her friends, which I think is a great thing about her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think really highly of her. I I feel like what she allowed people to do last year that people can go back and stalk if they want to is she allowed people to watch her say yes when she didn't know what the result was going to be. Yes. You know, like she walked into a lot of yeses going like, hey, I'm going to try this trip and I'm going to try this thing and I just have to say yes this year and risk in front of everyone. And there were things that really paid off and things that didn't. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I really respect her. So you're with me, though, that it's harder to say no than it is to say yes. It's way harder for me to say no. I mean, and even like when you talk about podcast stuff, my first like year two, I mean, I would get emails like I'm sure that you do and we still do here all the time. Of just, I had a hard time saying no. I don't, because for me, if I said no, if someone asked to be on the show, in my mind, I was saying, no, your book sucks or no, you right, suck. Right. Uh, right. But I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it doesn't fit or it's not a good time. But that was really hard yeah, for me. That's really hard for me, too. Especially when it's friends, you know, like when it's people that I genuinely know and they have a reason they want to come on the show or us to chat. And I go, like, oh man, we're like, don't have space. Like I, I can't. Uh-huh. I, I wish I, know, I could. So hard. I know. That's is that why you started the half hour though? Well, I did. Yeah. Uh-huh. I did. So that you would be able to help us. Yeah. So I can say yes. Yeah, right. You're like, okay, I can't, I don't have any more hour shows, <laughs> but I've got this little half hour puppy I can share with you. Right, right. Um, where do you record your show? You know, forever I did it in my house. I had a little clothis closet slash office. And then just about three months ago, I bought a tiny house. And so- <gasps> Did you? Yes. And just put it out in your backyard? I put it on our little property. Oh gosh, you and, and so and, and I camp. walked to work. I know, right? Although I've seen pictures of hers and let's not get that in my head about mine. But, <laughs> um, Have you shown yours on the internet? I haven't seen it. I haven't. I need to. You should. Well, it's because every day I say I'm going to do it and then I need to pick up and then I just get to work and then I don't. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Fair, 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 fair. Yeah, I get that. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I bought a tiny house and so that's where I do my recording. Okay, so what else do you have in your tiny house? Is there a bathroom? There is a bathroom. Let me explain to you the bathroom situation. We opted for... It's like an RV toilet. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to describe this so to you. So did you just go to like tinyhouse.com to buy a tiny house? There's so many tiny house places here in okay. Austin. Okay. I mean, yeah. Okay. Keep going. The so bathroom. the toilet in the bathroom. Do you know what a diaper genie is? Yes. Okay. So my toilet is basically an adult diaper genie. <gasps> 
But oh I only gosh. allow number one out here at the tiny house. Yeah, for sure. Like a tr- that's how buses I are. I think I'm the only one that's used it. But you just do your thing, and then you push a button, and it kind of sucks it all down, and then swirls it, and then a new bag comes in. I I'm not even kidding. I cannot even handle this. <laughs> and then after like 20 flushes, you take it out and throw it away. How do you know when it's time? I don't know. It's just like a red line or something. It tells I don't you. even know. that. I make Aaron take care of that. Yes. <laughs> this is my husband, a worship pastor, and also he empties my tiny house toilet. Obviously, what yes. What a good man. What a good <laughs> man. Right? Okay, right. so the bathroom's in there, and then a desk, a kitchen. What else lives in there? A desk. It's very simple. So we didn't get, it's not, there's not a bed, there's not a kitchen, there is a sink and a small tiny fridge, a desk, three chairs, and me and a lamp. A sofa or anything? I went with two chairs instead of a sofa. Okay, okay. So there are two comfy chairs and then a desk chair. Yes, because I do some recording in here. Yeah. Oh, where you'll have people come and record with you People come in, right. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, a tiny house. That's actually brilliant because whenever I, like the minutes I think about buying a house, it's hard for me to, to figure out how to get a house that I can live in and work in. But a tiny house in the backyard. Which I'm always surprised that you do your work and your home yeah, in one house. I do. I do. Does I haven't work? always. I mean, does it work? I don't know. I mean, I haven't always. <laughs> I had an office for about a year and a half. There was across town. It was a great 20-minute commute. And I talked on the phone to my friends way more and my family way more, way more than I do now walking from my room to the dining room. When it got really problematic was when I would be traveling and I'd be home for one day and need like three things. And I'd have left him at the office and not realize it until 10 o'clock at night on a Tuesday and my flight's at 5 a.m. on a Wednesday. So that's when it was like, this isn't working, having my office 20 minutes from my house. And so having it in the house is really helpful for that. This isn't a long-term solution is what I can feel. Having my office right in the middle of my house is not a long-term solution. I think I'm kind of getting to where, like today they had to come because a pipe froze and it looks like the ceiling is leaking. And I was like, is this house throwing in the towel? (laughs) Like, is this rental just giving up the goods and they're just tired and it's going to get torn down? So it kind of feels like, it's one of those seasons, actually, Jamie, to get more deep than you signed up for, that I'm just kind of paying attention and going like, okay, is the season at this house ending? Because everything is breaking. Yeah. And it's not as easy as it should be. Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah. that's kind of what I'm asking. So is, is it working to work there and live there? Yes. Do I think it'll still be the case in six months? No, I don't. The house may die on you. The house may give up before I do. That's exactly right. Right. <laughs> right. That well, that's exactly why right. I like my tiny house because it's still here. Yeah. What's the rule about the kids? Are they allowed in there? Sure, but they're yeah. at school, you know. Yeah, they don't care. They don't care. Oh, that's so cool, Jamie. That's a great idea. Did you name it? No, but I need to. Everyone says that. I have another friend here in Nashville that just bought a new house for her and her children. And that's like our number one goal in the next two months is to name the house. Are you a namer of things like that? I've I'm never not done a car that. namer. I am a house namer. Really? Yeah. What is your house name uh, right now? Broke Lamp Manor. Of course it is. Broke <laughs> Lamp Manor. Because it's a not a manor at all. But there used to be a lamp in the front yard that looked just like in the Chronicles of Narnia. It looked just like that lamp that they find when they cross into the new world. And it always leaned at like a, you know, a 60 degree angle. <laughs> 
So right, right. I was like, if you need to find me, just come down my street till you find the broke lamp. So anyway. Broke lamp manor. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I feel like you should get, yeah, I just really want that for your soul just to have a place. Okay. I'm working on it. We have a barn that we just redid and I've named it a really lame name called the party barn. And oh, Aaron is I like, love we need something it. better than that. No, I'm into the party barn. Okay. I like it I too. like it. Is that where you do your live shows? I have done live shows at my house, not in this barn, but I am about to do a book tour. <gasps> yes, coming you're coming house. here. You're coming to Nashville. I'm to Nashville too. I'm so excited. I can't wait. Say, do you remember the date off the top of your head of Nashville? Uh, March 19th. Okay. Well done. Yes. March 19th. Okay. Good. That'll be so fun. Okay. So what made you decide to do a book tour? You should come on March 18th because I'm preaching at Crosspoint that day, by the way. Are you really? Yeah. So if you're in town. You preach at night. Uh, yep, five thirty. Oh no, I'm sorry. I'll roll in in the morning. Ah, uh, you have a um, you got another stop. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> oh, I love it. As you're talking, I'm adding Jamie Ivy book tour to my calendar. March. 19th. Yes, yes, March nineteenth. I'll be there. Yeah. Do you know Amy from the Bobby Bone Show? Yes. She's joining me that night. Oh, that's as a awesome. little special little guest. Yeah. yeah. What was I going to? Oh, book tour. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know what, Annie? I love meeting people. I, I really know. do. I know. And people will say to me all the time, like, oh my gosh, I just want to say hi to you. I feel weird because I listen to a show and I and I know a lot about you. And I always say to them, listen, always say hi. Like I yes. love I don't want to talk into the microphone to nobody. That's exactly right. I feel the same way, Jamie. Yes. I'm always like, Come please speak to me. We're friends. Why wouldn't you? Right. If and you so, don't talk to me, it means that I'm not doing my job right because it means you don't understand exactly. how I feel about you. <laughs> exactly. Come yeah. say hi. And so yeah. I just thought, I'll just go to them. And so oh, that's brilliant. I know. I've never done anything like this. I mean, we've done happy hour on the road, but we stayed in Texas. Yeah. And so going out to different places. How did you decide where you were going to go? I mean, it was literally like we threw a bunch of stuff up in the air and where could we find places that people had told us about? Yeah. And, and what kind of places are hosting you, like churches or coffee shops or what kind of venues? You know, I love the church. I love the local church. I love church buildings. My husband's a pastor, but I don't want to do these in churches. Yeah, and I right. hope that that comes off as the most unweird thing ever. That's super unweird. I think that's great. Okay. We're doing coffee shops and there's one, a distillery in Dallas. Yeah. So fun. Very happy hour of you. Yes. Event places and that one distillery in Dallas. Yeah. Oh, that's super fun. So you're expecting a couple hundred women at each stop? Is that what you're thinking? You know, each varies by the place. Sure. So totally. like one of them only holds 50, one holds 120. Yeah. That's kind of what we're doing. Yeah. Oh, that's just, are y'all doing a bus? Are you driving or what are you doing? Or flying? You know, it's me and my girlfriend, Amanda, on an airplane. And I told her, I said, this is like maybe my favorite thing I've ever done because I'm getting to go places with one of my favorite friends in the entire right, world. Right. That's brilliant. Isn't that fun? Yes. I'm listening. That listen, you're fun speaking to me. my love language. That is exactly <laughs> what sounds fun to me too. I absolutely love, I mean, that's why I still go out on the road as much as I do, even when it's tiring is I love getting to meet people and I love getting to do, I just think it is super fun to get to be with people that much. So I love it. I think it's awesome. Okay. Can we talk about your new book? I would love to. It comes to. out. Tell me the date it comes out. January 30th. January 30th. Okay, so this podcast releases that day? No. Two days later. So your book's been out for two days, Jamie Ivy. Today's February 1st, according to our 
podcast clock. Podcast. That's right. That's um, right. So, Annie, you tell me how am I going to feel? Gosh, it's gone really well. It's it's done. Everyone is blown away at how many copies sold in the first two days. Um, do you want me to tell you how? I'll tell you the truth how you're going to feel. It's going to feel no, I'm so. Serious. Go back to your very first book. Yeah, it's so anticlimactic. The internet is really fun. People talking the first few days is really, really fun. But you actually, I don't ever actually remember, f- you keep waiting to feel something different and you don't feel something different. You just go like, oh, wait, I still have to cook dinner for all these people. Yeah. I mean, I think I texted you the day I got my very first copy. And I thought in my head that when my first copy of my book arrived at my house, that like the UPS man would know it was my book in his hand. He would maybe hug me. Uh-huh. Like I would turn around and my family would be there and streamers. And they'd be like, we're so proud of you, mom. And instead I opened it up from like an envelope on my table at yep. 6 a.m. Yep. No one was awake. Everyone <laughs> was asleep. And then we had like a busted pipe later in the day. And right. I just thought, it's just life. It's just life, man. That's exactly right. I know. But I do think what you'll love about book launch week is that all these friends will come out of the woodwork. I mean, that's the really sweet part. Friends who do this job, friends who don't do this job, where you go like, man, I had no idea that they were going to buy that book or buy 10 of those for their friends. Or That's always really sweet to me. I, book launch days are really fun. You know what I actually do the night before? I think I may have told that. I've said this on the podcast before, but I feel like you and I even talked about this. The night before my book comes out is when I do a celebration dinner. I've heard you say this. Remind yeah. me why. Because it has nothing to do with sales. It has nothing to do with Amazon ranking, whether Amazon sells out or not. It has nothing to do with how the book does. It is purely, as of tomorrow morning, I completed this thing that I started. Oh, that makes me want to cry, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is really moving for me because I'm like, I will celebrate with my friends at a really nice dinner because, by gosh, I did it. And it's finished. And tonight, we're the only ones who celebrate. Tomorrow, anybody can celebrate. And so it's just special to me to do a, a nice little thing the night before it comes out. Okay, that's going to give me lots of ideas in my yeah. head about doing that. Yeah, you should do that. It's really sweet. And you know, the other thing, and you probably, again, I can't remember what I've real life told you already. But the other thing I do is I like to get like flowers or something like that for all, for the editors, for the people at the publisher, for my agent, anybody who's had a real hand touch on the book. I like to send them something the day it comes out too, because they work, you know this, they work as hard, if not harder than me. (laughs) I mean, my editors have done some work. Yeah, I hear you. Yes. And I say all the time, when you get a book in your hand, I want you to know that that took a lot of people to get that book out into the world. Yes, that's exactly right. And, And I don't know that everyone really knows that until you've done it. And you go like, wait, I had four people at the publisher working on this? Holy cow, you know? So those are the two things I do when a book is coming out is I give a gift and I do a dinner the night before it comes out to celebrate its existence, not to celebrate how it does. Because you can't control how it I does. Like that. You can control whether it exists or not. You've done the work. That's true. You made the I piece the work. exist. Yeah. And that is worth celebrating because there are a lot of people who listen to us that want to write a book and don't have the opportunity yet or won't sit down and do it. And you sat down mm, and did it. Yep. You did the work. Yep. So that's what you should do. So tell me about, I mean, I know about the book because I'm holding it and I've read it, but tell our friends about your first book, If You Only Knew, My Unlikely Unavoidable Story of Becoming Free. That's it. Um, You know, I have wanted to write down my story for years and years and years because I felt as though, man, God did some amazing things in my life. And the older I've gotten and the more I've walked with Jesus, I've realized that that's a lot of people's stories, you know, and it's just... I get to write it down. Um, We're a lot more alike than anyone ever gives us credit for. And so I grew up 
going to church. I grew up in the church. I never remember not being in church. Uh, but when I became, you know, early teenager, I just really said, I'm done with all of this. Uh, I don't think I said that out loud or even, you know, mentally, but I just, my life did not look like anyone who followed Jesus. And so made a lot of mistakes, made a lot of bad choices, had a lot of consequences. And and you really write honestly about a lot of that in the book. I do, because for me, I'm 20 years removed from this. The book is a lot about the shame that I brought into my marriage and the shame that I brought into just life because of my past. But I'm, I do not carry that shame. And so this book is about walking through that, going through that. Uh, and then I start dating my husband and he was a pastor. And so I just felt super unworthy. I don't think anyone ever told me that, but I felt that way. And, you know, now my husband's a pastor again, and I don't struggle with that at all. Like I can openly write down, here are some things I'm struggling with. And I don't feel the shame of that because I have really, really believe how much better Jesus is. And so this is just that story. It's almost like I'm saying, okay, guys, I'm going to go first. I'm going to lay it all out. And I just happen to put it in a book, but just encourage women. You don't have to write a book or do it on a podcast, but and find some girlfriends who are going to point you to Jesus. Find some girlfriends who are going to hold you accountable and hold your hand and not look at you as though you've really screwed it up this time, you know? Um, because I feel like in the church culture, sometimes we can just look at people and think, well, I guess you're done now, you know? You did the worst of the worst, and everyone's worst of the worst is different. And so I just want to be an encouragement to women that we don't need to walk around in shame uh, at all because we have an identity that's been given to us that kind of, it goes over everything that we think about ourselves. Hey friends, just interrupting this chat with me and Jamie for just a second to tell you about Samaritan Ministries. At Samaritan Ministries, believers in Jesus are committed to send financial gifts every month directly to an assigned member with a medical need. It's more than just the money or mere physical healing when there is a need. Samaritan members pray for one another for all aspects of the members' needs and encourage one another by sending notes and cards. And every month, more than 70,000 households, mine included, give generously to other members with a qualified medical need through through Samaritan Ministries International. That's SamaritanMinistries.org. It is one of the leading healthcare sharing ministries in America, where members send checks, prayers, and notes of encouragement directly to other members in need. Currently, Samaritan members give a monthly share starting at $100, depending on age and household size. Samaritan ministry members have never shared more than $495 a month for the family of any size. So just as significantly, Samaritan members also pray for one another and include notes and cards of encouragement with their monthly shares, which they send directly to other families. You can learn more by visiting www.samaritanministries.org. Thousands of Christians are joining the movement that allows them to care for one another for their health care, sharing needs from broken bones to cancer, pregnancies to organ transplants. Nearly a quarter of a million Christians have chosen a health care option that adheres to their biblical beliefs and brings together believers and communities. So I would encourage you to go check out SamaritanMinistries.org. Now back to Jamie. Talk a little bit for our friends who maybe are new to a faith life or don't have a faith life at all. What is it about connecting with other people who believe what you believe that is helpful to you? Yeah, man, for me, it was a part of me really having other people speak the same truths that I believe over me. I think that we can find a lot of freedom um, in our Christian faith for sure from the scripture that God everything that God says about us and to us and for us, there's so much freedom to be found there. But one thing that I found that really, really helped me is having people that were close to me 
that I knew they loved me and they had the best interests. They had my best interests at heart. Speak those same truths over me and to me, almost like we need these reminders. You know, like I think that we can read the Bible, we can read what God says, and then we don't really believe it. And so for me, having people who thought the same thoughts as me, believed the same thing, stood on the same truth that I stood on, and I trusted them in that way, to have them speak those things over me, not in a way of like, man, Jamie, you're just really, really, you're you're out of control right now. I can't believe that you failed again. Are you really still struggling with this sin? Like, not that way. But they would speak to me with the same truth that like Paul talks about, like, man, I want to do this and then I do the wrong thing. And then he follows it up with, there's no condemnation. And so that's what I think it is so helpful to have people around us that are going to speak the same truths to us that are true from God. Yes, I totally agree. I'm so forgetful. I just forget things. And I need these people that are in my story that'll go, hey, I was there. I remember what what happened here. And I remember what you said. And I remember what you believe God was doing. So I need you to stick with that. You know, like I need you to keep, stay with that. For sure. And my girlfriends and I, we start so many conversations like this. Hey, I know you know what I'm about to say. Uh-huh. I'm going to say it again. Uh-huh. I mean, all the time. And I'm like, yes, I do know it. Please say it Let's again. say it again. Oh, man. How many times do people... I mean, I sent a text to my pastor and his wife this morning, kind of going like, hey, here's something God walked me through yesterday, and I need to say it out loud. And it is about my life and something I'm going through. And I said... And I know you know this, but I need to say it to me and I need you to say it to me. It's like no matter how long we stay in this faith walk and no matter how many times we hear the same things, we have not heard them enough. And I think too, the important, you value them and you know that they have your best interests at heart. So I think sometimes we're afraid to say these things to each other because we're going to think, oh, she must think I'm just like goody two shoes and everything. Like I'm Jesus juking her all the time with the scripture. But from my girlfriends, I'm like, I don't need a Jesus juke, but I do need the truth. Come on. Like I want it, bring it. Cause that's what I know I need. And that's so I've exactly given them right. permission to say that those things. To and me. if you're that close to me, it's not a Jesus juke. It's the truth. If you no, don't know yes, my phone yes. number, it's a Jesus juke and you should probably not say <laughs> right. it to me. If right? it's on social media, it's a Jesus juke. Yeah, that's but. the truth. Even from our closest friends, like pick up your phone. You can tell me I need to have more faith over the telephone. You do not get to tell me I need to have more faith over the Twitter. Like, no, no, you don't get to do it there. That's exactly right. So what is your hope? Like when you think about this book, and it is fun to record before it comes out, even though it'll be released the same week it comes out. Like when you think about, I mean, because it's here, Jamie, like this thing you've put your heart and your guts into. I know I feel the same way about every single book. I mean, the one that's coming, I feel the exact same way. How do you feel right now? And what are you hoping? And what does it feel like knowing it's about to be like released into the world? Yeah. You know, I say this all the time. And I remember when I would share some of these stories from a stage uh, at women's events and women would say, golly, that must be so hard to say out loud. And I would think it's not hard for me because I've already journeyed through this and I'm on the other side and God is better and Jesus is better and it's worth it. And so my hope when women read this um, or men, uh, I hope that whoever reads this book is that they're going to see that stories matter that all of our stories matter. And so I'm just going to go first and tell you mine. And so hopefully, and this book is not about me, it's about Jesus, um, but I use stories in there a lot. But I just want to be the person that says, hey, I'll go first. I'm going to throw my cards on the table. 
then you can throw your cards on the table as well. So someone takes that advice from you and they do that. And then the person sitting across from them doesn't play with the cards. Yeah. What's that feel like? That's the number one question because we've all been there. We've all bared our soul. And then someone kind of gives you that weird look like, huh, wish I wouldn't have come to this coffee. Uh You know, uh my thing that I always say to that is, man, it's worth it to try again. It's always worth it to try again. And the people that I feel most confident sharing my story with, and, and let me say, the stories I share in here, these things have been worked through before yeah. they go into a book. Yes. Thank you. Say that to people. Nobody close to me is reading anything for the first time. That's I tell you that a rule much. in my life. My closest people don't learn things from books. No, 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 no. Yeah. And so my thing is I had to do that first too. I had to sit across from people and throw my cards out. And there are some times that people like didn't understand or didn't receive it, but I've learned that it is always worth it to try again. And my thing is I need girls in my life who, when I share my cards, I need people in my world who they love God more than they love me. To me, that comes down to, they're going to hear my struggle. They're going to hear my sin and they're not going to be shocked by it. They're going to say, all right, we're going to work through this. We're going to walk through this together because we know that Jesus can work things in your life. You're not too far gone. And that's because they love God more than they love me. Right. So I just say, man, it's worth it to try again. Right. I agree with you. Okay, keep talking about how you feel about your book. Yes, I want people to know that their stories change the world, that um, that we can be confident with our stories only because Jesus is the creator and author of those things. And I personally think that God gets so much glory when we are willing to say, here's how much I need him. When I present something that says I don't have a big need in my life for God, I just feel like that we're, we're presenting this false gospel. We're presenting, well, why do you even need God in your life if you have everything figured out and you have everything together, all of these things? And so I'm willing to say, here's my mess. This is why I need Jesus. And I think it really presents um, the hope that we have in God to a world that is looking for that. Yeah. I think that's right. I think that's right. I think the easy thing to believe when you're on the outside looking in at someone's books, you go like, oh, she's got it all together. And I've never thought that person doesn't need God. But there would be this underlying tone of like, she has everything she needs. But what you're doing in this book and what you do with your life is you go like, no, you guys, please like understand like I don't have it all together. And I, my desperate need for God is real every dang day. Every day. Yeah, I get that. Also, you know, for me, I was, I wanted to be pretty, I didn't want to just write a book about something 20 years ago that God showed up and big time in my life and worked through me. But, you know, I, I share vulnerable things about six years ago. And so that was important to me to show to the reader, this just didn't just happen one time. You know, this yes, is where God has showed up so over good. and over again with some really ugly, messy things in my life and my heart, and He has continued to show up. And so I wanted to give them the confidence that He can do the same for them. Yeah. Man, that is really good because that's what I want to hear as your friend is, I, you know, when we finish the book and type the last word and it's printed up and it goes in people's hands like your book is doing this week, technically, that does not end the journey for you. <laughs> Like, okay, I did it. Yay. You know, like people say that stuff to me all the time about brave, about the idea of being brave because of 100 Days to Brave and Let's All Be Brave. They're like, well, as if I've got it now and as if things aren't hard for me anymore. I'm like, dude, you have no idea that I'm like fighting with myself about not doing something I don't want to do because it will require me to be braver than I want to be. Like that's still my every day of my life. Yeah. Yeah. And although I find my identity to be not as hard for me to believe what God says about me now versus 15 years ago, I still 
almost every single day have to really consciously say, this does not define you. You are defined by God. Okay, here we go. We can do this again. You know, so even though I'm writing about, come on, guys, we are not defined by our past. We're not defined by our sin. We're defined by Jesus. I still have to remind myself of that all the time. So you're right. Just because you put a book out, it doesn't mean you figured it all out. That's right. That's right. Listen, the people know that about me. I'm just telling them that about you. They may not have thought that about you. They they are in full knowledge that Annie Downs does not have it all together. These rhythms that we've talked about this month, you know, like where we talked about journaling or Sabbath, like how does that stuff play out in your life? Do you journal a lot? Is Sabbath a part of your regular life? It's something that it's a discipline for me that I struggle more than I succeed at. Um, but it's not something where I think, oh, this I don't I don't need this in my world. Um, I, I'm not a big journaler. I never have been, so that's not a rhythm for me. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah, yeah. I, I really just, think I, I think that's going to be freedom for people that they don't feel like not everyone on the planet loves to journal. How do you record the important things so you don't forget them? Do you have another way of recording things or you just don't? Well, I need to do that more. But I, when I say journal, I have like a notes app on my phone. Like I'll write down uh-huh. specific conversations or I wrote something. I was sitting in Star Wars and they said a line and I thought I need to never forget that in my entire life. And so I wrote it down, went back to it later to look at it. And so I have things on my computer and my phone like that. But I'm not a sit down with a journal and a pen and go to town kind of girl. But for like Sabbath and stuff, you know, it is important. And I'm learning this. And I think it's become harder for me as I have had more more pressure on my plate, more work in my life to really see the value in carving that time out. And I do. I mean, like already, for example, if I'm having a super, super busy week, I will look in and go in and be like, I'm clearing the day and nothing's happening on this day. Like I just cannot because I this before I start this. And so it's a discipline that I still have to practice a lot. And I think I'm better than I was a year ago. So there's a good thing. Yeah. I was just at this event where they said, we're not asking your life to be 180 degrees different. We're asking your life to be two degrees different. Because at the end of this, if your life is two degrees different in five years, your trajectory is very different. Right. And so even taking a two degree step towards better having these rhythms in your life and better adopting Sabbath into your life will change the trajectory of your life. I love it. I just talked with someone recently about, she called it sustainable transformation. And she was talking about the same thing. You know, a lot of times we feel like, man, if I don't have an hour to journal and read God word, God's word, it's not worth it. Right. Or if I don't have, you know, 45 minutes to go to this class to work out in, it's not worth it. Where you could walk around the block or you could open your Bible and read five minutes and it's still worth it. But we are just, we're people who think if we can't go all the way, then it's not worth it. Right. Right. And that's not true. Not true at all. That's not true. Do the 2% and watch it change your life in the long run. And you're right. I mean, literally on my calendar, one of the things I do every January for the last 16, 17, and 18 is every week that I speak on the weekends, I have a two hour window during that week where I prep for speaking and that goes on my calendar and can't be moved. And I put a Sabbath in every week at some point. It doesn't mean I get to keep them all, but I try. But I put a day in there where we go like, okay, we don't put meetings on that day and we don't have things on that day. And that is just going to have, you have to set that aside. In fact, yesterday, if this comes out February 1st, I can already tell you that yesterday was my Sabbath the 31st because it's on my calendar. calendar. Yeah. All the way till December of 2018. 
right now it just sits on Wednesdays, but there's a couple of times where, I, like, next week I have to bump it to Thursday. But it is a choice to have that discipline in my life, and it is not easy. It'd be way easier to be able to work every day. I mean, wow, that sounds dramatic. But if I didn't have to sit alone and be quiet, I could knock out more things that are on my to-do list. Right, right. And I'm like you. I put it on my calendar. Yeah. It's on my calendar. You know. Yeah, it has to be. What are your week plans for launch week? What do you have going for the week that the book comes out? Well, we have a launch party at my house. Oh, and fun. so I invited friends and family and people that have helped me launch the book to a little a party at my house. And then actually the day this comes out, we have our first book tour in Dallas. And then oh, tomorrow wow. we're in Atlanta. <gasps> you kick off for real. I kick off for Atta real, girl. which but I have two weekends and then I take about three weeks off before I hit it again. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well done. It's very interesting to hear how many of our friends are kind of doing the book tour thing again. I like it. I think it's really fun. Have you done a book tour? No, uh-uh. I never have. I I usually have speaking events around when the book comes out, but I've never done an actual like, hey, I'm going to come. I mean, with my first teen book, I did like the most ghetto version of a book tour ever, where I pretty much said, <laughs> if you are in this circle of 100 miles and you will buy books for your small group, I'll come talk to them for free. And you did. Girl, I did. I drove that Toyota Camry all around Work it. Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, and South Carolina. I mean, I, I probably did 15 stops and all they had to do was pay for my tank of gas. That's all I said. I said, just pay for my gas and let me come talk to your small group or your youth group or whoever. And you have to have 20 people there. Man, it was serious. So this makes me want to do a more fun version. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. And for me, I'm kind of where, like we said earlier, I wrote this book. And I, when we do podcasts, you and I, I'm sitting in my office all by myself. I don't see people that are listening. And so there's this disconnect a little bit. When you write a book, it goes out and then you don't meet people who read it. And so for me, yes. was, it was really important for me to be able to go to places and hug ladies and look them in the eye and say, man, thank you so much for trusting me with this book. So Yes, that's what I love when people say, I love, love, love when people talk about the book or when people come up to me and talk about the podcast. I'm always like, oh, good. You know everything I know. I love it. I know. Like our friendship is like on level 12 already because yeah. you know everything I know. So I totally love it. Okay. So tell me what you are looking forward to this as this like spring comes out besides the book tour. Do you have other speaking stuff? Yeah, I do have some speaking stuff at some churches and I'm doing the... Will you be at IF? Are we both at IF? I will be at IF. Yay, me too. We'll hug it out. That's like the next weekend after... It's like next weekend, technically. I know. I know. Um, and so I'm doing some abundant stuff this year and, you know, we'll do our happy hour live and Aaron and I are going on vacation, you know, so a lot of fun stuff getting around in different places that I've been before. So it's a lot of fun. Tell me your age of your kids. I have a 14-year-old, I have two 12-year-old boys, and a 10-year-old girl. I mean, you have a 14-year-old. He's going to be driving in, like, minutes. Minutes. Like, I literally, <laughs> he turned 14 just this month. Yeah. And I did the math, and he, I mean, I've got four and a half years with them until he goes to college. And that could make me vomit and cry all at right, once. Right, right. It, you know, the Whitakers have a thing. I think I'm telling this truth. He either tells the story or he does it. I can't remember where he has a jar where he moves a marble every week from that his kids for how long they've been in the house and how like he moves it from this is when they've lived in the house to this is when they don't live in the house anymore as a, like a real sign of like, this is how much time I have left to raise these kids and to invest in these kids on an everyday, all day basis. 
Yep. Yep. Which I'll tell you, speaking of saying no, when my kids were little, Aaron, I said yes to everything because I wanted to get out of the house as much as I could because I was doing hard work. Uh-huh. And that's another reason we say no all the time is because we actually like these people. Yeah, We right. really do want to spend time with them and they want to spend time with us. So why would I not spend time with my son who in just a few years, he's going to choose his friends over me and that's normal and it is just the way life goes. Yeah. And so I'm going to just soak it up while I can. Yeah. Oh, I love that. They're growing up, sister. You don't have little ones. You have like real people, people. Big kids. Yeah. Oh, it's so fun. And I know that this is not the center of the conversation, but Aaron's Austin Stone album he's on that they just released a couple of months ago. It's so good. I'm so glad you love it. It I I agree with you. Yes. It's an incredibly good. Yeah. They I'm really paying attention to the music that churches are releasing, especially when it has originals on it. And I just think, what is God doing that people are writing this kind of beautiful stuff? And the Belonging Coast record here in Nashville, I know some of the songs that are coming out of my church at Cross Point and Church of the City in our town too, and y'all, and just going like, man, there's something special going on that so many local churches are having music come out of them. I know. And, you know, I get to see the behind the scenes just because I'm married to the worship pastor here. And I love how our worship team and all these guys and gals, guys and gals, that's not like an old person, all these people, all these men and women, they write songs with our church, our local church in mind. And so I always go, man, God, you're doing something bigger because this is resonating in other places. We know it resonates here because we write it for our people. And yet you decide and you are so like gracious and on awesome to let this resonate other places as well. So I love that. One of the things we're building something, I'm helping build a little resource at Crosspoint. And literally what we say over and over again is it doesn't matter who else listens to this. What do our people need? Like it doesn't matter who else reads this, who else is around this. We need to build something for the church that we are stewarding and whatever, whatever, whatever with the rest of the people. But but man, we really need to be a part of making sure we're serving our local church, literally our local church. Literally, yeah. yes. And I don't get to do that in another way. No, and I love it too because I do what you do. I go stand in other people's churches. And so we are so committed to our local church and I know you are as well. There's so much value when we get to actually serve and do stuff for like our people right in front of us. It's, I love it. Yeah, I say to people a lot, like I'm not sure how long you can maintain a global ministry if you are not doing local ministry. Amen. I don't think you can be out of the local church and be doing, you can't trade them in one for the other, unless you want to trade in global for local. I think you can. I don't think you can trade in local for global. I think you got to love your local people. Otherwise you become an organization. That's right. not a church. And you don't know what's happening. You don't know what the people are actually talking about or what's really going on, right? Yeah. So, and I feel like you and Aaron model that really, really beautifully. I don't know that I've ever thanked you for that, but I have thought before, I'm really grateful for how y'all and some some other leaders that I watch who do a lot of what I do, but always are pointing back to where they're from and ending up there. I think that's really special. So yeah. thank you. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. Hey, let's ask my favorite last question of the show. What sounds fun to you right now, Jamie Ivey? Oh my gosh. You know what sounds fun to me right now is the beach because here's oh. why. I know I'm in the South and so the people in the North are going to make so much fun of us. I'm so tired of being cold and we've been cold for like four days. Okay. But I'm like done with being cold and I need some sun and I need the beach. And so that sounds really fun to me. Also, it's not on my calendar and I love the beach and I usually need a beach on my calendar. I got nothing. So that sounds so fun to me right now. Let's just like throw out a date and just meet at the beach. <laughs> like just get oh on gosh, a Southwest plane. 
Oh, I need I'm trying to convince my kids for the beach for spring break. And so yeah. I'm trying to see what I can do. Okay, best of luck. You just let me know if y'all got a spare room right. or bunk beds. <laughs> right. Annie, you'll be like, kids, my friend Annie. I know that. Yeah, it is weird. She's coming in. I couldn't stop her. She got on a plane. It's she okay. Knows our address. It's okay. Right. Um, hey, Jamie, thank you for how you serve the church and how you serve women and just everything that you do for us as an avid listener of your podcast as well and a lover of your book. I'm just really thankful for you. Thank you for what you make for us. Thanks, Amy. Thank you. Oh, friends, don't you love her? She's just the best. If you are not already subscribed to the Happy Hour podcast, I would really encourage you to go listen to it. It's absolutely one of my very favorites. I just think the world of her. And I think the world of Jamie's writing. I hope you will grab her book, If You Only Knew. It is just a beautiful, honest, open story that I'm I'm proud to be friends with a woman like Jamie who will tell her story like she did. So again, that's If You Only Knew by Jamie Ivey. comes out this week. I think it's really, really great. Well, if you follow me on Instagram, then you probably know and you saw last week that our buddy Dave Barnes came into the studio and that episode is coming up next week. So I hope you will subscribe so you make sure you do not miss it. Dave will be on the show and it is a great conversation that I think you are really going to love, especially since he's our music. I feel like you need to get him known better. And just like Jamie, I feel you on the beach. I would love to be at the beach right now. What sounds fun to me? I am trying to read all of Madeline LaIngle's books this year. I think I've told you all that. So what would sound fun to me is going to a coffee shop where there are couches, which White Bison in the nation's neighborhood has awesome couches upstairs, and reading for a little bit. So maybe that's what I'll go do. Maybe that is what I'll go do, is go do a little bit of reading before my next thing today. So I hope you go out and do something that sounds fun to you as well. If you need to find me, I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs across every part of the internet. So holler at me if you need me, and I will see you and Dave Barnes next week.